Hello and welcome to the 8th of January 2020 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. We're now a week into the new decade and I have to admit, it feels an awful lot like the last one. Hong Kong is a traveling hub and many of us are seasoned travelers. This period between Western New Year and the Chinese Lunar New Year is a favorite time to travel. So this week, as we plan our next adventure, we'll be listening to a story from Vinith about his experiences in a foreign land. After Vinith, we'll hear a story from Francis about his own traveling woes. Before we get to today's stories, however, a great big hug goes out to our loyal Hong Kong listeners. Thanks for being such a support to our storytelling adventures. Thanks go out this week as well to our overseas listeners, especially those in Bangkok, Thailand, Yangon in Myanmar, and Godalming in the UK. Thanks for letting our stories into your ears. Our January show is on Thursday the 23rd, and our storytellers are getting ready to shine on stage. I'll be hosting this month's show, and the theme is Ready, Steady, Go. We'll have our recording devices set up for you to leave on-the-spot reviews, reflections, and comments, too. Just step up to the giant ear and tell us what you have to say. Tickets are now available, and for information on how to get them and all other information about the show, visit the website at hongkongstories.com. Now with a story from our July 2019 show, which had the theme Belonging, here is Beneath. So uh, about two years ago, I was going through this really rough phase in my life, and I was looking for things to keep myself engaged and distracted. So I went ahead and made a list of all the things that I always wanted to do, but either didn't have the time or the guts to do. Now, I'm an introverted person, and uh, I have a very small group of really close friends. And as much as I love traveling with them, I always fancied going on a solo trip and enjoy the place in the company of my own solitude. So I decide to go on my first ever solo trip. And I choose Manila in Philippines. It's just a short flight from Hong Kong, and I've never been there before. And of course, the flights were cheap. <laughs> so I arrive in Manila uh, on a short five-day trip with no itinerary planned and just my backpack. By day four, I had already done most of the things that I fancied from the trip advisor's list of top 10 things to do when in Manila. It has been a pretty unremarkable trip so far. So by, on day five, uh, I find myself wandering across the streets of Kizon City aimlessly. And it must be around 5 p.m., the sun is down, it's lovely to just walk around, and I come across this uh, ghetto by the side of the road. And it's separated from the road by a fence on one side, and another fence on the other side, but made of metal sheets, so I cannot really see what's on the other side. I'm guessing probably a construction site. I see a bunch of kids playing basketball in what looked like a makeshift hoop made of a cycle tire and some fishing nets. I also see some really old men tending to their grandkids, pushing them around in what looked like a shopping cart smuggled from a nearby shopping mall. I also see some really, really young kids who are too young to play with the main bunch, so they are pushed on what looked like an abandoned jeepney. 
Now, if you have ever been to Philippines, you would instantly recognize what a jeepney is. It's sort of like an elongated jeep, and it's like the most common mode of transport in Philippines. You will find it everywhere. And the kids on the jeepney, they were cheering on the other bunch, hoping that one day they could also get their chance to play with them. Suddenly, I realized that the kids have noticed this stranger looking at them for quite some time now. And to my surprise, they all were waving at me and asking me to join them. Some of them even ran towards me and insisted that I join them. I was surprised because as a kid myself, I remember playing gully cricket on the streets. And whenever an adult wanted to join in, we used to hate it because usually they would turn out to be a killjoy. Also, I had heard stories of how tourists are tricked by Good Samaritans and how usually those stories don't end up very well. But then I look around. These are just a bunch of harmless kids, not even probably up to my hips. And then there are these old men, not really of any harm to me. And then I look at myself. The most expensive thing I have on myself is my smartphone. So I do a quick mental risk assessment and then decide to check it all together and join in. The kids show me a small hole on the fence, big enough for me to sneak in. Soon we are all playing basketball and I am having the time of my life. The kids even teach me some Tagalog to say some basic basketball jargon like shoot and pass. So I guess I'm also having a little bit of a cultural exchange here. Soon I realize that the sun has almost set and it's getting dark and I should head my way back to the hostel. And I say uh, goodbye to the kids and I'm about to leave, but the kids don't want me to leave. And I could really see that they're sad that I'm leaving. And that's when I realized that one of the kids just asked me, hey, do you want some water? Apparently I'm visibly exhausted from a game of basketball by a kid's half my age and being trumped left, right, and center at it. But to my defense, the last time I played basketball was in my high school, and I've been wandering around for four days in a, in a strange place, so I have my excuses, please. Before I could even politely refuse the kid, he just runs back on the other side of the metal sheets and emerge with a bottle of water and he offers it with genuine kindness. Well, but the bottle looked like it has been in use ever since the boy was born. And uh, of course, the stories of how you get tricked and drugged and all that. But I could really not refuse the kid, and, and especially after all the hospitality that they had shown me, I, I really couldn't refuse. And I decide to go with my heart and I take a sip of water from the bottle. And that was the sweetest water I had ever tasted, mixed with genuine love and kindness and also a sense of adventure. Now it's almost time to go, and uh, I really wanted to give something back to the kids. So I look around, and thankfully I find a gas station around the corner, and there is a shop inside it. So I asked the kids, guys, can I buy you an ice cream? And that's when all the kids all at once look at this other kid who looks to be their leader. And uh, he looks at me and says firmly, no, 
you are a student, you shouldn't be wasting your money. Now, I'm guessing he probably figured it out from an earlier conversation where I told him uh, that I was staying in a backpacker's hostel in Makati. So the kids heard hostel and probably came to the conclusion that I'm a student. Well, by this time, my heart was already melting and, and I couldn't take it anymore. I somehow convinced the kids that it's okay, no big deal, I can get them an ice cream. And the leader relented. So we slowly make our way to the gas station. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm rewinding everything that has happened so far. It's been all so surreal. I didn't expect this to happen. Now we are in the shop and I go in, I look at the shopkeeper and I declare, one ice cream for all. Feeling very happy and also very generous about myself. And that's when the shopkeeper looks at me with this very confused expression on his face and he says, are you sure, sir? Now, why would he say that? I take a look back, and that's when I realize there's a whole bunch of new kids that I hadn't seen before. <laughs> Even toddlers accompanied by their moms waiting patiently for their ice cream. Yeah, the word spreads quite fast here. But then I figured a hagen in Hong Kong could easily buy an ice cream for all the kids here. So I didn't really think twice, and I got an ice cream for everyone. You know, this is uh, something I, I realized, that sometimes you find kindness and belonging in the most unexpected places. What has been a very unremarkable, forgettable trip so far has suddenly turned into my most cherished travel memory. Thank you. People. Well, people can be pretty awful, but they can also be pretty amazing. We hope that your most cherished travel memory is equally inspiring as Venice. And if it is, you should come to a free workshop and learn how to tell it even better. Find out how through the website hongkongstories.com. And now with a story from back in 2016 about more travel in a foreign land, here is Francis. Addiction is a disease, damaging, personally, professionally, and socially. It impairs judgment, and it consumes all. But I'm also told that acknowledgement, it's the first stage to recovery. My name is Francis. I am an addict. My addiction, my addiction, it's not what you think. <laughs> I'm addicted to my own opinions. <laughs> I disobey rules and I'm always right. But I'm also far from perfect, as evidenced when I catch public transport. I've been known to rush my children and occasionally myself through open gates at Airport Express. On Sydney trains, I hop off, then on just before a change in travel zone. Foolishly, they put tapping pay stations along the platform. I'm clearly a believer in that immortal quote, that if you obey all the rules, 
you miss all the fun. And when an invitation was offered to ski the Swiss Alps, there was no way I was going to miss any of that fun. It was Chinese New Year, 2015. Hans Gert and I had talked about this for over a decade, and for the first time during that period, I was alone. All I had to do was get myself there, and everything else would be sorted. And sorted it was. For four days, I was fed, fussed, and financed. We hugged lovingly, but I'm not gay. I wore his wife's ski pants, and the last time I looked, I'm not transgender. He got me drunk, very, very drunk, but I'm not that easy. It was the ultimate bromance. And if hosting had a playbook, he followed it to perfection, according to rules. Swiss rules. Flush a toilet after 10 o'clock, risk eviction. <laughs> Laundry on a Sunday, you'll be the one hung out to dry. Catch the wrong train, you'll be lost. Have the wrong train ticket, prepare for hell. Now, it was always my intention to maximise my limited vacation time by skiing and visiting friends. I had Australian friends in Zurich. And when the organisational baton was passed from the Swiss to the Aussies, well, you can imagine, that's when things kind of went off the rail. Now, Deb's instructions were simple enough. Get yourself to Zurich, and when you get there, buy yourself a local train ticket to Erlenbach. Now, it's a Sunday, and on Sundays, the extra leg is usually for free. I'm not sure if I can take you to the airport, so just add the airport as an extra leg, six francs. The instructions seem simple enough. The machines, not quite. They displayed in English, but printed in German. But what could possibly go wrong? The last button pressed, the airport. The final cost, six francs, which, as I found out, was coincidentally the same price to watch theatre, otherwise known as a slow-moving train wreck. Because as though on cue, one stop from Erlenbach entered a right little Hitler, the Ticketmaster. His name was Luke, short for Lucifer. Welcome to hell. Now, seemingly, I have a wrong ticket. Not only am I out of zone, I'm going the opposite direction. My ticket, direct to the airport. He demands my passport, logs my details, and as he logs my details, I quizzically ask, well, mate, um, what's the fare difference? Five francs? Four? Three? Two? One? And like a rocket ship blowing up at launch, I exploded at zero. Zero. There was no difference. <laughs> but you have the wrong ticket. But, mate, there's no fair difference. <laughs> you have the wrong ticket. For fuck... A 75-franc fine for an innocent mistake. <laughs> Diplomatically reduced to 10 because I'm a tourist. Well, fuck being a tourist. I'm an Aussie Chinaman. I'm a tourist wherever I go. I'm a fucking tourist in my local town.
wherever that may be. <laughs> Fuck me. And guess what? Fuck me he did, momentarily accepting me as one of his own, a Swiss. He took me in and screwed me over 12 and a half times. Yes, on account of my belligerence, I got penalised 75 francs. Now, I had a wrong ticket, but in my opinion, I was right. I was blowing up, but I had a chance to pick up the pieces. You see, in war, sometimes you've got to lose the odd battle, but without my passport, I'd lose the war and my livelihood. For the first time, I privately acknowledged my addiction was a problem. I was cornered. I had no choice. I surrendered a wounded man. Avoiding jail, I made my way home. And as expected, the penalty notice followed suit. And as I sat there and I, I read the notice, my pulse began to race and my heart started constricting. You see, I am an addict and I need my fix. So I drew breath and I took aim and I fired an email to test Swiss neutrality. <laughs> and they blinked, blinked, letting me off the 75 franc fine on account that the global capital of money laundering had no idea how to chase me for 75 francs. <laughs> now, if this was caught, I got an indefinite adjournment. War, a permanent ceasefire. I should be happy, but I'm not. You see, this was never about the money. I wanted them to tell me I was right, but in the eyes of the Swiss, I was still guilty of a crime that, in my opinion, simply never existed. I was angry, I was ready to rage war, I was about to re-engage. That's when addicts thank their family and friends. Francis, let it go, let it go. I've been sober now for over 18 months. <laughs> but there's very few days where I don't think about the incident. And I do worry about relapse. And when I do, I take my sponsor's advice. Just take one day at a time. And if you still have that urge, share the feeling. Storytelling, it's not therapy. But it is therapeutic. My name is Francis. I am an addict. But to this day, I firmly believe that I am absolutely innocent of a crime that simply never, ever existed. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to today's stories brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. The music for this podcast was created and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone has a story to tell. <laughs>